Welcome to the Comfort Monk Podcast. Podcast. Today we uh we took a little bit of a left turn. Uh, our first purely visual artist, Mr. Sam Spina, uh, legendary from the Columbia scene, but he uh, grew up in Arizona, spent some time in Denver, currently lives in Burbank, uh, and you know we spoke a lot about his personal creative output with his comics and his many comics, which he is really, really prolific with, but uh, and, you know, I think that's a huge part of his uh, creative drive is to stay focused on that. But um, he also has had some really great accomplishments in the world of animation. He works for or has worked for regular show and various other Cartoon Network projects um, that he speaks about a lot on here. And he's doing a lot of uh, he's done some public art pieces recently. Um, that are really, really interesting as well. But yeah, Sam is just the sweetest dude. Really, really, really talented. You can find his artwork popping up throughout various Columbia projects over the years. He's even though he hasn't lived here in a while, he's definitely still a creative presence here. And yeah, we could all strive to be a a little more like Sam. Super nice, sweet dude, and humble as could be, despite his many, many accomplishments. Um, his his art's amazing too. Um, yeah, you know you mentioned regular show and he's he's on uh, Infinity Train and stuff like that, um, and he sort of documented the behind the scenes of those gigs via mini comics, uh, and they're just wonderful for anybody that uh, you know does any kind of creative pursuit to be able to read it and get an insight into what he's going through and be like you know what. I'm doing all right, you know, (laughs) like even somebody that's, you know, at the top of their game deals with, you know, stress and procrastination and long nights and, you know, all that. Uh, And it's, it's really good to hear from somebody who, you know, is, you know, killing it professionally uh, that they go through all the same trials and tribulations as everyone else. Absolutely. And somehow he manages to keep his head on straight and, and keep that, that motivation to keep keep at it with his personal work even when he's getting bogged down with his you know with the day job side of it um you know granted it's a pretty sweet day job but it's still anything that's that uh time consuming is going to definitely make managing your personal output of creative work a little trickier so it, but yeah it was really cool hearing that perspective kind of an inside look into that but we'll let the let the interview go and see what you guys think but thank you for listening and thanks so much for coming on the show sam yeah like i said i was i was always drawing i've always loved like coming up with characters and you know i would like doodle in on my homework like every little kid does but i would like very consciously like draw characters and like come up with names for them and draw them over and over again and have little stories going in my head with these characters and i think that's it's like i always knew i wanted to be an artist whatever that meant when i was a little kid and it's like 
in high school is when I think I started taking that more seriously. Like I, that's when I started carrying a sketchbook everywhere and got really into like painting and stuff like that. But I always felt like, it's like, I love painting. I love drawing, but I wasn't ever like good enough to be a drawer. I was never good enough to be like a painter. I feel like I didn't have anything to like say, which is like what I feel like makes paintings special. And then I went to, when I went to college, I really wanted to go for illustration because I liked drawing like funny characters and stuff like that. And USC had an illustration program when I signed up, but then they, I think they got rid of it like my first year that I was there. And they kind of pushed everybody into the graphic design program. And I did that. And like the first year of um, being a graphic design major totally opened my eyes to like typography and just like design in general. And I really, really fell in love with it. And it grew like such a deep respect and appreciation for good design and all that. And this is also like hanging out with Chaz and stuff who I, I feel like having a podcast out of Columbia, everything also goes back to skateboarding and Chaz, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, surprisingly, he hasn't come up as much as maybe he he should, so I'm glad oh, you're yeah. touching on oh, him. Oh, that's good. Especially well, that, yeah, I mean, were you all in the in the graphic design program around the same time? Yeah, we were in there together, and I mean, we we became friends in high school, and he was always just like, like I said, like I've always just been surrounded by like such super creative people that have always been so inspiring to me, and he's definitely one of them. Like, he'd always share sketchbooks and be drawing next to each other in class and stuff. But anyways, like. In graphic design, like, I felt the same way that I did with, like, painting and drawing and writing and stuff. It's, like, I really love it, but I didn't feel, like, it didn't, like, fit me, like, perfectly. Like, I always felt like I was faking it a little bit. And then it was, like, right at the end of college, like, the last, I think it was, like, a month before I graduated college, I discovered mini comics and, like, zines and indie comics and stuff. And it was, like, everything I had, all of my loves, like, rolled up into one thing. So it's, like, I knew I wasn't, like, the best drawer, but drawing is just, like, one part of making a mini comic. And it's, like, I get to write characters and draw for them and do, like, the crafty thing of making the little books and design the layout. And it's, like, all of my favorite things rolled up into one. And that's when I really felt, like... I found my medium. That was like a huge, like, artistic breakthrough through yeah, for me. That sounds huge, man. I mean, it's like, yeah, you you felt like, you you knew you loved, you know, this this sort of nuanced version of visual art, but you just weren't exactly sure what your place was, and then that just kind of right. you're like, oh shit, this is it. That's like that's huge. Every everybody needs that moment when they whether it be that they find you know, that band that's like, oh, yeah, this is what I'm going for or or, yeah. or something along those lines. So, yeah, I can only imagine that was, like, a, a bit of a game changer for you. Totally. And it's also, like, you know, like, roots in, like, the... I just love, like, the zine culture and how there's, like, zero barrier to entry. There's, like, anybody can just, like, pick up a piece of paper and draw something and go to a coffee shop and make little mini comics and stuff like everything about it and like the whole community is really cool and traveling to all these like zine fest it so pretty much like after college that 
a hundred percent became my life. Like I became like obsessed with just like spending every waking moment where I wasn't like working in restaurants and stuff, working on my own mini comics. Um, and of course I was like trying to get craft design jobs, which is like really funny looking back at like my resume that I would like mail out to people and stuff. It's like so old fashioned. Right. But, um, yeah, I never got any substantial craft design gigs, but, um, yeah, for like five years after school, I was just working in restaurants and making my own comics and stuff. And eventually, um, I was really diligent about sending my books out to comic shops all over the country and, um, traveling to different comic shows all over the country. And it all kind of, two kind of big things happened to me at the same time. I was doing a, like, I was tabling at a zine fest in San Francisco and I just happened to meet somebody who worked at Nickelodeon and I thought it was like the craziest thing in the world to meet somebody who worked at Nickelodeon. Um, and she like was telling me about pitching shows and how like, um, big studios like that are always scouting new people and stuff. And I was like, holy shit. Like it never even like crossed my mind that you could work in animation. You know, it's like cartoons. I didn't even think they were made by like people, you know, like never like crossed my mind. You you can almost, when you're watching it, you forget the human element to it. Right. Cause it's just, especially when it's done, when it's done well, it just seems so seamless that you're, you almost feel like there's not enough human error for this to be a a product made by humans. It feels like computers got to be responsible. It's too well done. Yeah, definitely. And I remember like watching some like behind the scenes videos of like how they made the Lion King and stuff. And it's yeah. like watching all these like old men do like figure drawing of lions and they look really beautiful and perfect. And that's like what I always thought the animation industry was like. It's just like super professional artists and stuff like that. Um, but anyways, I met this person at from Nickelodeon and I was like, oh damn, she's just like a, a regular person like me. And <laughs> I, uh, yeah, so I like started like pitching her shows and stuff. And at that same time, I had a friend, actually, I wonder if you know them. Do you know EJ? Are you friends with EJ Merlin? That name sounds really familiar. It's definitely not someone I know well, but I feel like I I might have some friends in common with them or something. Yeah, she's she's a Columbia friend. But her ex-boyfriend, who's really cool, Ryan, was working at a comic shop out here. And I mailed him some of my stuff to sell at his store. And they also did podcasts out of the store. And the guy that made a regular show, J.G. Quintel, was on his podcast. And he told him about my books and gave him some of my mini-comics and stuff. And J.G. sent me a test to like test to try to be on a regular show. Which was just like getting an email out of the blue from the dude that made regular show to like test to work in animation was like another like totally insane mind blowing moment for me. Like I couldn't believe it. Yeah, that has um, to feel like you know you're like shit. If I get the gig or not, like this is huge that I even got yeah. like this email. <laughs> Definitely, <laughs> you know, yeah. most people don't get the email for consideration, let alone the gig. You know, right? But yeah, so I did that he sent a test which is like how you get a job in animation you do like tests for each position um so what 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 kind of what does that 
entail for people who like you know like myself who don't know what what a test yeah. is are they are they like asking you to send over like drawings of their characters or how what exactly yeah. does that all encompass for sure there's so i'm i'm a storyboard artist um and storyboarding again i didn't know any of this stuff before i started working in animation like i didn't know what storyboarding was until i found i like got this storyboarding test but right. storyboarding it's pretty much like the blueprint for an episode of a cartoon so um it's really early on in the process of making an episode of a show so um Typically, I've only worked at Cartoon Network. I've worked at a bunch of different shows at Cartoon Network, but I've only have experience at this one studio. But how it generally works is um, storyboarders are grouped in teams of two, and you have five weeks to work on each episode. Um, and in that time, it's you're like the second step. The writers are the first step, and they write either an outline or a full script for the board artists to work off of. And then it's up to the board artist to like do all the thumbnails for the animation studio and for the everybody else down the line in the process, like the whole design team and all the character designers and background designers and stuff like that. So you're pretty much to like simplify it. You're like drawing a comic of the episode. Um, but really it's more just like the blueprint for the episode. So when he so reaches like, out to you, does he give you basically the script of the episode and you, and then asks you to put it into storyboard form and when he asks yeah. you about that test exactly so but regular show it's like there's two there's like two main types of animated shows there's board driven and scripted so regular show was a board driven show which means that the writers only write an outline so it's just like the really like it's like the skeleton of the episode where it's like every beat they talk about like what the characters are doing and where they're going kind of. Um, but it's pretty minimal. And then the board artists, it's like they're half writing, half drawing. So they're coming up with all the dialogue and all the jokes and um, kind of like making it all work as a story. Um, so for a regular show test, it's like half writing, half drawing. So it gives you like a little snip of an outline and you have like 50 panels to like tell that story in and like write all the dialogue and stuff like that. And then there was also like a written component where he gave you some prompts and you had to come up with some jokes and stuff. Um, so it was actually pretty fun. I mean, it's cool. But there's other tests. Like if you want to be a character designer, they send you up character design tests. Um, so, so to me, it almost sounds like your role is like creating the the demos before the band goes into the studio almost is, is or an equivalent to that, you know, like you're, you're, yeah. you're mapping it out in a, in a more raw form to use as a template. So you're not Definitely. starting completely from scratch when you start doing the, uh, the animation that makes it into the actual show. Yeah, exactly. It's like all like the main movements. It's like, I'm not going to draw like a hundred frames of somebody walking, but yeah, I'll draw right. like where he starts and where he stops and stuff like that. Yeah, that's that's pretty neat, man. And yeah. and I feel like uh, you know, diehard fans of the show would absolutely love seeing that stuff because it's oh, dude, you know, yeah. that's that's huge. That's like see, it's a it's like when you're listening. I mean, not, not to I know it sounds 
maybe overkill that I keep comparing it to music, but like, you know, it's like when you when you get the box set and you hear all of these For alternate sure. versions before the final version. It's like kind of huge to hear where or mm-hmm. see where it was coming from before it reached its full form. Um, Definitely. So yeah, and yeah, I, mean, I, love I love that you're. Seeing... I love that you're on regular show because of of all the more recent animated series. Like that one has always spoken to me. It's a, there's something about it that feels pretty special and unique. Yeah, um, and I think maybe it's maybe it's like the their particular brand of comedy mixed Definitely. with their uh, with their visual approach. It's it's mm-hmm. it's a uh, I don't know. I feel like it has a lot more crossover as far as like it, what demographics are gonna it's gonna resonate with than your average uh, yeah. animated series. Like it, it's definitely good at, at at making a little bit for everybody, you know. Yeah, it's definitely like the show for like slackers after yeah. school, kind of. But um, that's like the wildest part. It's like I was like such a I don't I'm not like a huge cartoon guy. I don't watch like a million cartoons. I don't read a bunch of comic books, stuff like that. Um, but I was, I loved regular shows. Like one of the only shows that I like really, really loved. So like the same thing that you said, it like spoke to me as like a 20 something slacker. Um, and I started on season seven. So I was like a huge fan already. Oh yeah. Um, and I only, I worked on it till the end. It only lasted another season. So, um, after that, I actually worked on his next show, which is called Close Enough, and it's actually coming out really soon on HBO Max. It's finally coming out. That's it's awesome. like next week. So has yeah. that been taking up most of your time since the show ended, or have you been have you been splitting your uh, time elsewhere? As far as your, uh, you know, as far as your kind of day job side of it is concerned. Right. Yeah, I've kind of bounced around to a lot of shows. After regular show, I worked on that show Close Enough for a while, which is kind of like the adult version of regular show coming out on hbo max and then after that i worked on a show called infinity train which was one of one of my coworkers on regular show owen dennis created that and it's a really awesome really like heavy show about like coming of age and um there's some like adult themes in there that's really cool um it's really serious um so i worked on that for a couple seasons and then and now i'm working on a show called apple and onion which is just like a really fun show also so i've been lucky to stay at cartoon network for this long and bounce around on all these different shows so so cartoon network they have a am i mistaken in thinking that they have an atlanta office as well yeah that's where the headquarters is but they don't um that's more like the uh, business side they do all the marketing and okay gotcha yeah so not Which really was, where the creative juices nah. are flowing, more where the ins and outs of the business are. Right. Adult Swim is out there too. That's their headquarters, and they do some productions out there. There's some. There's like Archer is made in Atlanta, so there's some stuff happening in Atlanta. But all the Cartoon Network creative side is out here. Nice. Well, I'm sure that you don't mind getting to enjoy the uh, beautiful. California oh, environment dude. while you're working, man. Like growing up, I love it. I guess you, I mean you've, I mean you've lived in a pretty wide range of like environments. Yeah, you know, Arizona is so different from from Columbia, and Columbia is way different than Burbank. <laughs> um, yeah, 
Do you feel like over the, over time, like the amount of moving that you've done has has played a role in in your particular style of uh, of yeah. art making? Like, I mean, I, I guess if if nothing else, it it has to have informed you. Is just you've got more influence in you than just one place, you know? Definitely, it really, really has, and I think more. It's like my different creative friend groups in all the different places I've lived are like so different. Like I feel like South Carolina and Atlanta too. I lived in Atlanta for a year. It's like such a community based place and such a really cool way, like what you guys are doing. And it's like the, my extended friend group is so huge and everybody's doing like such amazing stuff from Columbia. Like even though like we're not, like super close friends it's still like of course i want to like i'm so excited to see what you're doing and all you guys um but yeah i feel like out here and like in arizona it's more i can't i can't really describe it's like what after i lived in denver after i lived in uh south carolina i realized how um kind of like shallow denver is where everybody's kind of into everything. There isn't that, like, community, like, clicky group aspect. What am I trying to say? I feel like I, like I always... I think I know what you're, what you're getting at in the sense of, like, there's so much, um, I guess, for creative-minded people, there's so many outlets there that you get less yeah. of that concentrated, uh, like, community-driven stuff. Like, in a, in a town like Definitely. Columbia, you know, there's a couple venues and there's, you know, as opposed to Denver having hundreds of bands, there's probably, you know, 50 yeah. that are really hitting it or whatever. And like something about the smaller, the smaller pond aspect just means that it's a little bit more of a connected and maybe like a deeper bond that For is sure. there because of that. Um, and that's not to that's put true. down your bigger cities. It's just, there's definitely a, a major change in vibe there i mean i think somewhere like denver is probably a little more naturally fostering to like a creative environment but because there's almost something about the fact that columbia isn't inherently like an arts driven and uh and like the city itself might not be doing a whole lot for the art scene but that almost makes makes the the artists around here a little more passionate because they have to try a little harder to get themselves out right. there in some regards you know it's like a little more pure you know like they had to like really seek it out and um become a part of that scene just because they like love it you know yeah but i feel that way towards atlanta also atlanta's like such a real there's like a really hard you can't just like move to atlanta and be in the scene you know you have to like live there for a long time and know the spots to go and meet the right people and stuff like that where i feel like out here and like denver or whatever it's like really easy to find your communities in like a cool way that's why i feel like atlanta for me i only lived there for a year but it was like a really miserable time in my life i was just like working in restaurants and like kind of hating it and stuff Right. Um, but like after I moved, I'm like, fuck, Atlanta's like so cool. There's like so much cool stuff happening. Oh yeah. I mean, Atlanta's super cool, but I, I definitely agree that it's not the easiest town to get a foot in the door in. Like I know yeah. bands 
you know, myself included, that have played there for years and still don't feel like they have they have quite as um, much of a foot in the door as they would in other towns they played to the same degree. Yeah. And I know I know bands that live in Atlanta and have been hitting it for a while that you know still yeah. might not be might not have that connect at that venue that they've always wanted to be playing or whatever it might be, you know. Um, but I, you know, that's to be, you know, you have to keep that in perspective that though it feels so close Atlanta I mean it's like the biggest city in the southeast so it's like for sure it's like the biggest pond that we've got around here I guess in some regards you know um so it's kind of got that it's kind of it's a melting pot of people probably from smaller towns like Columbia Mm -hmm. or, or wherever else but they're all there's just so many of those people that it just makes it you know definitely its own list of challenges but you're right atlanta is a really amazing art scene as a whole even though there's a lot i feel like there's a lot of little pockets of creative communities there and and uh they're like pretty good at being self-sustained and and kind of getting a little more reach than you would think you know a lot of the diy scene there will still it's like though it might be, uh, you know, like Mammal Gallery or these places that are like not traditional music venues and uh, maybe focus more on the DIY side of things, but they still, because it's in Atlanta and in a town that, you know, most people are hitting on their tours, they're going to get like the biggest act you've seen in a DIY spot in years, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So it's, it's kind of this weird like middle ground between like the super... DIY and then the you know the the Denver's and Burbanks of the world that are definitely kind of probably I mean I'm you know I'm sure there's great DIY scenes in those towns too but there's also you know those are like entertainment hubs so there's right there's it's kind of funny that I kind of I kind of don't feel like there is in like a weird way like especially compared to the East Coast it's like Living in Burbank, especially, it's like all the animation studios are out here. It's like everybody you meet is like a in the industry somehow. But there isn't like a good art store. There is like a few places to get like mini comics and stuff like that. It's really, I was expecting it to be like this kind of like artist community. And it is, but everybody's just kind of like working professional living in the suburbs, you know, right. which is totally like my speed in like a funny way like this is what i love like growing up in arizona like i love the suburbs i love just like strip malls and like concrete and stuff like that so that's why it was like atlanta to me it's like i appreciate it so much and like even how i feel about columbia like i appreciate it so much but i always felt like like an outsider looking in you know like right it wasn't like my vibe yeah yeah well and and you have kind of a you know i think a lot of our mutual friends here in columbia grew up in south carolina the whole time and they have a little Mm -hmm. bit of a different level of attachment like if you moved here at 15 you kind of you were through the thick of it you know you only had a few years left in high school and then and then you're out you know well i mean i know you went to school here but you that's that's kind of like you know people a lot of people feel stuck in their small town for sure. situation and and maybe that moving around just kind of gave you i mean it had it just really 
given you a completely unique perspective on on arts culture as a whole because you for sure you were probably pretty attached to the Arizona scene oh, that definitely. you had been around and that kind of got yeah that slipped right out from underneath you when you moved here you know and then mm-hmm. you had to you know thankfully you had that skateboard and and friends that you were able to make quickly through it yeah and, but yeah you know it, it's not it's always going to feel a little different than the kids who you know went to elementary school together and for sure you know have a little more of a love-hate friendship just because they know each other too well or whatever, you know? <laughs> totally. You're, yeah, you're a couple probably, of my, like... You're a sight for sore eyes, man, a, a new face in, in the scene. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's like everybody, um, all my friends in South Carolina are all, like, musicians and in bands and stuff like that, and that's... I'm not a musical person in the slightest, so... That was also cool. It's like, I feel like I have this whole knowledge of the the music industry and all these like bands and stuff that i again it's like i'm just like an outsider looking in and i'm like so lucky that i get to you know kind of be a part of all this stuff like especially fork and spoon is like such an awesome label and they like let me draw some things for them and stuff like that yeah i was just thinking about uh all the stuff you did over the years whether it was you know with aaron's bands like no way jose and then yeah. One of the ones that was particularly moving was the album cover art for the uh for the comp for Aaron Tidings yeah. from our light purple game or game yeah, that I was think so is what cool. it's called. Um but yeah, like that one's just, you know, I don't know, your your imagery it, and and your and your your particular take on 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 that for kind sure. of comic style, it almost it's it, it's very iconic within the the sphere of like Columbia art to me because you know Damn. I mean I you know I have this T-shirt that I was wearing just yesterday that's a you know the the drawing you did of a skateboard riding Aaron oh there's just, yeah there's just a million totally. different tiny little Spina collaborations yeah. that have happened over the years to where you know you haven't lived here for a minute but you've got a constant presence here and that Damn. I mean that that's super noteworthy man like a lot of people are actively making art here and and you don't see it pop up as much as as yours and I, I think that speaks to the little bit of time that you spent in this scene you clearly made a a strong impression and and i yeah. i've i've loved seeing your stuff pop up over, over the years man man yeah that means so much to me that i'm so grateful it's awesome yeah and even like jordan jordan blackman he was like honestly the first person i ever saw make a a zine and I was like, I remember buying his little art chat book at um, one of his shows. I forget what his, do you remember what his first band's name was? Uh, not, it wasn't. Not Pee Wiz. I was going to say, <laughs> that was where my, oh, is it Brave Horatius? Yes, Brave Horatius. It was at a Brave Horatius show and he had like, he was selling his zines. I was like, holy shit, you can just like make stuff. It's, you know. Right, so. dude, that's crucial. You got to have that person in your life that makes you realize that it doesn't matter that you don't have a million connections or that you're not, right. that you haven't, or even that, if, I mean, shit, it doesn't matter if you've figured out how to do what you want to do yet. It matters that you want to do it. And like right. having somebody make it clear to you that you can do this with whatever level of knowledge you have, just do it right. and figure it out along the way. There's nothing wrong with 
if anything, all that means is that your first work isn't going to be as good as your last, and you would hope that's the For case. Sure. So if anything, that's just going to make your the art you put out have more yeah. of a, an actual arc to it, and and people Definitely. love seeing that growth. I mean, your 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 talent is evident from day one, and you're it's only going to get better. So just go for it, you know. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, it's like every once in a while I'll have a, like an animation student uh, email me and ask like how to break into the animation industry. And it's like really the only thing I can tell them is just like make stuff just because you want to make it as like cliche as that sounds and like make sure you finish what you're working on and then start on your next thing and finish that and start on your next thing. And I think people really like are drawn to the the passion of making stuff. And I feel like, yeah, I'm glad people can see that I like really love drawing the way that I draw and making stuff and yeah. things like that. Oh, and, and you, you know, you've, even though you've, you know, you've got this, you know, you've made it more than just the DIY side of it for yourself. You know, you're, you're, you're getting by with that as your, as your day job, which is, amazing but you're also Mm -hmm. you haven't lost sight of that in that you're always putting out some form of self-released uh you know whether it's a a mini comic or zine um and i think that is one of the things that i've latched onto the most about you as an artist is that you you kind of i mean not to like sound like I'm gushing here, but in some regards, you know, you, you, you made it as far as, I mean, anybody, to me, the be all end all is that if you can not have to work somewhere else to pay your bills, like even if you're just scratching by, that's making it to me. Like that's huge. That's the dream fully realized. And, uh, to not let that, uh, get in the way of you, Having that constant, sorry, uh, having that constant drive, yeah, to create is huge. You mm-hmm. know, like a lot of people, it's, when it becomes their day job, they don't want to yeah. do it in their free time, and that's so not the case with you. You're you're constantly putting something out. Like I mean, yeah, it seems like there's not a I mean, even if it's just an Instagram post of something that you've been working on, whatever you're working on. Mm-hmm. doesn't ever feel very fleeting it always feels like you it's a thoughtful project even if it's just a one-page comic strip like it's oh thank you even Man, just the the dialogue within the 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 comics themselves like there's it's oh. everything's multifaceted and and thoughtful and it's just it it definitely inspires me to not want to lose that drive damn dude thank you so much and it's funny because it's like i still I totally agree with you that like my ultimate dream and I feel like making it is to be able to just live off of your art. And I kind of don't feel like I'm doing that right now. (laughs) You know, it's like, I would, I still like my dream is to like not have to work and just be able to work on my own stuff. Um, Like it's amazing working in animation and I get to like tell stories and reach so many people and it's so fun, but it's still it's like giving me more of an impetus to like continue making mini comics and paintings and stuff like that. Because a lot of shows, it's like I was saying, like after regular show, the show that I worked on is called close enough and that's coming out next week or something. I worked on that show like for two years, like years ago. 
and it's like i don't even know i'm excited to see it because i like have no idea like if anything that i actually worked on made it to the final product you know right and it's like every step of the way in the animation industry you're getting so much feedback and so many notes which totally like elevates the project and makes it so much better but it's just like i love like how pure and simple mini comics are and like paintings are and like this single vision yeah um and that's what i like envy musicians so much because i feel like there's something about music where it's just such like a it's an art form that touches like the innermost core of humanity you know and you can like do it totally by yourself and achieve like such great um effects you know you can really affect people um yeah i think similarly how you're saying like you know working for these animation companies it you know it, it makes you want to it's like you know just motivates you even more to do your personal things i mean it's almost like uh I, I was talking to one of our guests recently about how kind of the 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 different nuances to various like musical projects you might be doing like you know there's there's the self created like I'm playing everything on this record or the alternate take of that is I wrote this song but I'm gonna recruit people to play on it and then there's the the complete opposite end of it where it's I'm a hired gun somebody just wants me to play this snare drum part on this song. And that's right. maybe less satisfying on a creative level, but you're there's some growth as a player in that regard to be able to sure. to remove yourself from it and be like, this person wants this sound. They're hiring me for my my ability to to do that, not for my particular take on on this part. And uh, I don't think you might not be quite uh, to that level of like feeling like a hired gun at occasion but like you were saying the more mm -hmm. hands in the pot who are steering you yes it, it makes it the full form match their uh their brand or the you know of the show or, or whatever they're going for to a t but it also takes a little bit of that like self-ownership out of it to where you feel it feels a little like it's less yours than it than it would be um but the skills you learn in the process of removing yourself from that a little bit, I think are valuable as yeah, a, as a creator, as a whole, just anything that's like taking you out of your creative, creative comfort zone and, and making you thinking about it, think about your, uh, you know, whatever your art form is from a different perspective, I think is going to one way or another be a step in growth as a, as a creator. Dude, for sure. And it's funny, I think it's just, I keep having, like, the same realization over and over again. It's like, I'll, I'll like, never be happy. And that's, like, the bottom line. It's like, I'm always going to be, like, striving for more, like, whatever I have. Like, the animation industry, it's, like, definitely, like, the best job I could ever ask for. And it's so awesome being around, like, so many creative people. But I still find myself, like... You know, at the end of the day, it's still a job, and it's still really hard. And it's like, God damn it, I wish I could just, like, draw my sketchbook and not... <laughs> yeah. But even, it, like, if I did that, it's like I would be miserable, too. So it's just a constant... It's the artist's life, man. Yeah, the Never push satisfied. and pull, right? I mean, it, <laughs> yeah. I, I think that if you become too satisfied, then you're 
going to lose that motivation. Like you never, Yeah. it's almost like there's something to be said about not ever getting exactly where you want to be because the art that's most interesting is the art you're making along the way, I think kind of. For sure. Once you get too comfortable, then you get a little less hungry and you can make some kind of, um, you know, it might dull things a little bit creatively yeah. if you don't have a little bit of that, uh, that same sort of, uh, frustration that's fueling you. For sure. Yeah. I think I, I also, I'm like so grateful that I didn't get this job right after school. And similarly, like I didn't find mini comics until so late in my life. You know, it's nice to like search for that and you gain kind of life experience along the way. Like oh, yeah. I work with so many like insanely talented kids that are like just out of college and it's funny i'm like only like eight years older than them 10 years older than them but it's like a lifetime like i have no idea what they're talking about ever and like oh, all yeah. of their like references are totally separate from mine but i feel like it just i'm really glad that i have that like perspective on like what it's like to struggle and like not to say that they don't like appreciate their job or anything like that, but you know what I mean? Just have yeah. like the different perspective and living in different places and I don't know, just makes you a better storyteller overall. Sure. So growing up, were there any like particular uh, artists that spoke to you? Like I know that, you know, a yeah. lot of people who are, who are inspired by some of the similar style of, of, art that you are you know speak to like art crumb and and oh and that sure. kind of world um is there is mm -hmm. there anything like either classic yeah. or or mo you know newer lesser known stuff <laughs> that has spoken to you over the years yeah the first thing that popped into my head i said this before too it's like my, one of my biggest artistic influences um growing up is the taco bell um, they had like an advert, like a happy meal for a short while. And all of their like drawings for that were so awesome. Oh, and I feel man. like, do you remember what they you... called that meal? <laughs> <laughs> it, I don't remember what the meal was called, but it was a blue dog and an orange, cat, like Nacho the cat and this blue dog. And I bet if you like Googled it, you can still see like, oh, that's yeah. what I'm, I've been striving towards my whole life. That's <laughs> amazing. That Taco Bell happy meal. But no, dude, our crown like totally grosses me out. I hate that drawing style. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I guess uh, that is definitely a polarizing style. Yeah, I've for definitely, sure. I've always been drawn towards like really bright, like flat graphic-looking stuff, and I like, I, I really love like wonkiness. I love like kind of wonky lines and that's like my favorite thing about any art form music or anything is just like hearing the person making it or seeing like the hand of the artist in the work. Um, and I mean like skateboarding, it's like Gons of course and Ed Templeton, all the toy machine graphics uh, and everything. Dude, I, I love Ed Templeton stuff, man. Especially it was pretty amazing when, when that Ed Templeton blue tile collaboration happened a while back. Did you remember Whoa, seeing I didn't that? Know about that. Oh, no. dude, yeah, I forget. I don't know if it was like for a blue tile anniversary or what the occasion was, but there's a, a toy machine deck that has like a you know the classic little alien guy that Ed drew all the time. Yeah, but mm -hmm. uh, 
in some way or another it incorporates a blue tile into the design it's it Holy was shit. awesome man i i didn't get yeah. a, i didn't get one but i wish i had because they that's are, amazing it's a pretty amazing collaboration oh man i just found there was a guy that i worked with in animation his name's eric fountain and he's like so sick he's like a diehard skateboard guy and he draws so cool but he just got to do a whole toy machine series and i've like never been more happy for anybody in my entire life i was like so stoked to see that that's awesome man yeah dude, dude speaking of uh of exciting kind of uh new experiences to have as an artist something that kind of jumped out at me was that that mural work that you've done recently i know yeah. that the the project where you were painting over the boarded up windows after mm-hmm. the or i guess during the protests what how right. did that how did that uh collaboration kind of come and, to be yeah just like through friends um one of my friends hannah nance she i've known her since forever like over 10 years we met in arizona she's from arizona too um and we just kind of stayed in touch and she kind of found her own way into the animation industry um so now we we've never been co-workers but we've always like stayed close over the years but she has a lot of Long Beach connections, and she hooked me up with that. That's something that I would love to do more of. It's so fun to like paint outside, and it's like just feeling like a real artist, you know. Right. It's like as a cartoonist, it's um usually you're like holed up alone by yourself, like scowling over your paper, but just to like be out in public and like slap and paint around feels really cool. Totally, especially that that project. It's um I found out about it like a day or two before I had to do it and it had to be done in over a weekend in two days. Uh, And I've never, I've done a couple murals before at the Italian restaurant. I worked at in Denver. I painted a mural there with my friend, Kevin. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it was really cool. Like kind of coming up with it on the spot and it felt really spontaneous and it was just over plywood too. So it's a temporary mural. So it was a little, the stress was uh, alleviated a little bit, but oh, yeah. man, I would love to do more stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought that was just a really thank you interesting and uh, just like off kilter, but in a, in a really beautiful way. Um, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That like wonkiness. That's like, it's the thing I love the most. Cause I feel like that's why I never really cared about comic books growing up. Cause you look at like a superhero comic book and it doesn't even look like, drawings it's so you know? pristine it doesn't look yeah there's you like can't no imagine way who you the drawer was right you just it doesn't have a Definitely. whole lot of personality in it i guess yeah that's why like if i did read anything growing up it was like peanuts and garfields because you could tell it's like a guy thought this and drew it you know it's like yeah. so simple and easy there isn't a whole team but yeah, totally um, have you have you ever thought about trying to take like maybe narrow your focus with with some of your characters and and maybe get like some sort of you know not necessarily Garfield level but you know like something uh-huh. that's like recurring in 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 some publication. I mean, I know that that's not something you can just will yeah. to fruition, but is that at all like I part think of that, your dream? That was always yeah, that was always my dream growing up. Is I wanted to draw newspaper comic strips, um, but I, that never really panned out for me i really that's something else i like through working in animation i've kind of learned um 
I mean, tons of stuff, but a lot about storytelling. And the thing that, I mean, speaking of regular show, because you're familiar with it, that show is so perfect because it's such a small cast of characters. It's like eight characters in a really small world, like the park and like the surrounding city. And that's it. So since it's so simple and clean, you can kind of tell any kind of story you want where I feel like whenever I come up with an idea for a comic book or a pitch for a show that I'm going to pitch to Nickelodeon or Cartoon Network or whatever, the world is always so huge and I like overthink everything. And it's like, it's so many characters and all that stuff. So it's hard for me to like, that's the most exciting part for me to make anything is to like think of every little part of the world and make it seem like a real living place with real living people in it. Yeah. Um, and that's why I really was learned a lot by doing my daily diary comics is because it was, the scope was really small. It was just drawing something that happened to me that day. Didn't really have to think about it. Didn't have to explain anything to the reader. It's just very simple and clean. Yeah. So yeah, I think doing the comic strip thing, it's just not really in my wheelhouse, you know, it's not how I think. Well, if you, if you did have one, there is a secret part of me that would hope that much like Garfield, we'd have a, a character that was uh, inspired by your cat, who I know <laughs> sadly passed not too long oh, ago. Oh yeah, but, Grige, um, sweet Grige. Yeah, man, that the the stuff that you did where Grieg made it into your art, there was like a. It's just speaking of like just artwork that seemed pure like that. You, you I've never seen a better documentation of someone's oh, damn, attachment to their pet than some Man. of the art you've put out and it'd be pretty cool to to see Greege, uh you know as a recurring character on something oh man. for sure yeah Greege will be a part of my life forever i'll draw her yeah. i actually just finished the painting in mem- remembrance of Greege. oh i can't wait <laughs> yeah. to see that yeah, yeah. please uh, whenever if you feel comfortable you should definitely share oh, yeah, it because i'd it love over. to see it yeah it's been weird you know it's like such an awful time um everybody's like stuck at home and I've been making a lot of stuff or, I mean, that's not true. I've been making some stuff, but it's like, I don't really want to post it. You know, it's like, right. Not yeah, the it's time hard to, to talk about yourself. Yeah. I know it's, it's, it's tricky to, to figure out how to navigate. Yeah. Really right. I'm really right now, to be honest. Dude, for sure. Yeah. I've kind of, I haven't um, done any comic book work in forever just cause life's such a bummer but i have been really stoked on the paintings that i've been doing because it's like kind of a way for me to turn my brain off and just um kind of zone out and And have you seen those like crazy paintings that i'm doing where it's all just like totally filled yeah it's it's kind of a little more long form in its creation because i'd imagine that the comics are tedious work but they're not if, if nothing else it's less space to fill in with color you know so like definitely just sure. the just the actual like mechanics and logistics of covering these huge canvases is yeah. gonna require a little bit of escapism you know definitely so it's been it's been a nice retreat i guess yeah totally yeah and i, I mean i love that stuff that you've been putting out man Thanks um so much dude. Dude, I'll have to send it to you. We we put out this this compilation record maybe about a month ago, and we're, and we're working on a second one now. And I was brainstorming who might be fun to collaborate with 
artistically on it, and I'd love to send it to you and see oh if you God, might yeah. want to put together some sort of art for the cover of it or something. Dude, definitely. Yeah, that absolutely. Would, that would be awesome, man. Not to put yeah. you on the spot, but. <laughs> uh, I will do it. I'll have my uh, lawyers send over the. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, that will get have your it. people. Talk to my people. Yeah, we'll <laughs> speak to my agent. Just no. <laughs> um, yeah, man, I love all that. That's really cool. All that collaborative stuff you're doing. I listened to that one that you have up. Is that what you're talking about? Uh oh, the With all the covers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool, yeah. man. I'm glad you heard that. Thanks for listening, dude. To it. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, yeah, and congrats on your new tape coming out too. That looks really fun. Yeah, man, definitely. We uh, we got the vinyl records in as well, so it's gonna be exciting to finally put out another record, man. I'm I'm glad to finally get it out there. For sure. Yeah, that's the other thing. It's like a lot of people that work in animation. I don't think they have the the joy it is to like make something and then hold like the physical copy of it you know yeah i like it sucks working on i can't imagine working on like a student film or a short film that takes a whole year and then at the end of the day it's just like a youtube link that you send out it's like i love making a mini comic and like having like a physical comic yeah yeah. holding a record speaking of of how how jordan was kind of the person who first turned you on to zines and that kind of stuff. Like, coincidentally, the the only zine I've ever made, he designed the first cover of. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't even know you made that. That's awesome. Yeah, we should that, do a mail That's kind of what happened before uh, Eddie and I were doing this podcast. I had a, a, a zine I was making with a couple other friends that was similar in nature, lots of, like, uh, collaborative art pieces in it and, uh, you know, sort of pulling from some of the same musical influences that maybe this podcast yeah. has. But, yeah, that was, oh. like, 2014, and the, and the first issue, we always recruited a different artist to make every cover, and, the, and then we mm-hmm. did, like, a feature on that artist. And uh, cool. so Jordan was that artist, and uh, Mike Watt was, like, the the featured yeah. interview so it was like the cover was one of jordan's classic characters and you know said something featuring an interview with mike watt something along those lines but it's funny man everything's kind of cyclical because you know watt's Definitely. been on this podcast and mike watt is on the the record that we're about to put out now it's like just funny how everything kind of can come full circle like that absolutely it's so cool yeah man inspiring well, dude, I've loved talking to you today, man, and, and I can't wait to see the new show that's coming out. You said that might be coming out, like, in the next week or so? Yeah, I think it's, like, July 7th or July 9th. It's on HBO Max, cool. if you can figure out the yeah, marketing. There's, like, a million different HBO. I know. So I, I get confused. <laughs> it's such a mess, yeah. But they, I think they're fairly easy to navigate, but, you know, you can just search the name of the yeah. show. We'll get there one way or another. Definitely. But, uh, yeah, it's called Close Enough. The show that I'm on now is called Apple and Onion. That's a fun one, too. I think you'd really like it. It's really musical. That one will probably be a little further down the pipeline, right, when it comes out? Oh, no, it's out now. Oh, it's out already? It's, yeah, you could I thought that you this YouTube was in it. kind of a pre-production mode. I didn't realize no, it was out the, already. Close Enough just kind of took a long time to uh, come out because it was wrapped up in all this HBO Max rollout stuff. So, But yeah, Apple and Onion's out. The last show that I was on, Infinity Train, is really amazing that's out nice um, i'll definitely check yeah. those out is there is 
is there a place that is like the easiest avenue for people to 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 buy those physical copies of your comics and everything? I mean, oh. I know that Spina Doodles yeah. is is your Instagram, and I'm sure there's links there. But yeah, I finally just set up a like you know how like Instagram you can only have one link, and Twitter you can only have one link. Yeah. I finally set up one of those like. I think it's called card with a couple D's where you click on it and it's just like links to everything. Oh, okay. So yeah, I have a store envy page where you can buy my mini comics and stuff. I haven't had a new one in a while, but yeah, the old ones are just as a uh, yeah. appealing man. <laughs> I actually, after this, I plan on a uh, going there and figuring out which one I want to oh, add to the Oh dude, send me one of your zines. Let's do a meal trade. I'll send yeah, I actually, you know, for the longest time I had one copy of every zine. Because I we you know the rest of them, uh, oh yeah, were, were out in the world. But I think I found maybe one or two extra copies recently. So and one of them oh, might cool. be one actually. I think one of the ones I have a, a second copy of is a uh, is the, like the fourth issue we did, which Chaz did the cover for. So I think that one oh, might, might speak to cool. you a little. Yeah, if you wouldn't mind parting with oh, it. Oh yeah, dude. Cool. I don't need two of them. The ones. In pristine condition, I'll keep it safe. <laughs> Sick. Yeah, I'm, I was really bad at that too. I like didn't have any of my first mini comics for the longest time, but I actually I think I bought them back. I like found them at this like old store in like the middle of nowhere that I dropped some off a million years ago, and they still had them like under a pile. I was like, oh shit. Yeah. But yeah, the hard copies are amazing, man. There's something about it, like you know that Zine yeah. project doesn't exist anymore, but it's like this really specific snapshot into where I was and where these friends of mine who I was collaborating with were in definitely 2014 to 2016 kind of um and you know that's the same with the hard copies of what you're doing I love that that you could have a physical copy of like where Sam Spina was creatively <laughs> in 2019 you right. know yeah there's something sure. to that that like you know as much as you can spend time browsing a timeline and and enjoying it digitally there's there's something a little bit more special about having that hard copy for sure mhm definitely and you're uh you're one of i guess both of us are kind of holding on to a an art form that is slowly slipping as far as like the print side of it uh yeah but I I feel like there's going to be a renaissance in that regard, man. As like yeah, I think so too. People are going to get tired of of reading their news online and and everything else, and and Definitely. maybe it'll be kind of like uh, how the vinyl world dipped in the '90s and came back with a vengeance. Yeah, for sure. But so it, regardless of where it is, as far as like mainstream consumption, I still think there's a huge audience for it, and. Uh, it just yeah. might not be like, yeah, I think if you really break it down, it's probably just like technology and capitalism, like distracting <laughs> people from the, the beauty of, uh, something tangible, like a record or a, or a zine, you know, like their keepsakes get lost in the way of like Absolutely. modern times sometimes. Yeah. But, they probably become more like value valued by the people that actually Care oh, about yeah, that dude. Stuff. Like, Maybe if it, I have it, a huge stack of records, and I don't, I haven't listened to a record in like a million years, but I still buy them because I like having the. Yeah. I like when I like impressing people when they come over to my apartment. Huh. I mean, dude, if nothing else, your artwork just looks so much better on a 
vinyl record than anywhere else because it's yeah. blown up, high res, how whatever Dude, those dimensions are. I'm still are. so surprised that like Spotify doesn't have an option for you to like look at the back of an album cover and like oh, the I never inside. Thought about that, yeah, isn't that that's, weird? That's like taking the music nerddom out of music consumption. You're just like taking oh the songs at face value, and as yeah. a kid, you half the reason you loved this record was because you saw they recorded it in Dude. Malibu in 1980 and or whatever you know right. like it, like that stuff that's the that's the juice <laughs> yeah i know we've been going long but i have to tell you this brilliant idea that oh, i had like it. years ago <laughs> but it's like yeah like exactly like music to me it's like at, when i was in high school and younger it's like you would save up 10 dollars and like take a chance at a, on a cd that you like liked one song on it but weren't sure and it's like you would pour over that record over and over again and read the liner notes and everything. And I was thinking, like, how could you recreate that in, like, the digital world? And I think there should be an option where it's, like, you get, like, the digital version of an album where it's just, like, whatever you find on Spotify. But then there's this premium version where it's, like, every, like, the 10th time you listen to it, it'll be, like, the demos for every song. Oh, so you wow. have to like put in the effort to like listen to it 10 times and then your 11th time it'll be like a different version of the song and then maybe like the 15th time it's like a live version of that song Whoa. and then after that you kind of like unlock those tracks and can listen to them whenever but i feel like especially that is a for a very you, cool idea yeah dude yeah steal it but it's like i feel like as a musician I don't know if you feel this way, but I wonder if it's like a bummer for you that music has become just like background noise to so many people or it's not like people are like taking time just to listen to a record and do nothing else. Yeah. I mean, I think it's similar to what we were saying earlier and that yeah, it there's, there is a lot of that to where it gets kind of like lost in the, in the noise, but it's also, it makes the times when you do connect on a deeper level feel a little more special because that's totally true. You know, it's, it's a, you know, it's like a supply and demand sort of thing, you know, right. and so, like when, the, when it happens less, it feels like you're like, it hits you a little different when it does. So as, as long as we don't lose all of our music nerds, I think we're safe, you know, because, yeah, <laughs> you know, we wouldn't have this podcast if there wasn't people who love talking about the, the deeper nerdy side of things, uh, despite that, like, uh, short attention span sort of way of consuming yeah. all things that is more popular right now. I still think there's mm-hmm. like, it's almost when you do, you know, you might not listen to a record on vinyl for years, but when you do, I'm sure it's like, like it almost feels like when you were a kid and you listen to records because it's just so different than how you've listened to records recently that it's, it's such yeah. an experience. It's a sit down. It's taken you out of modern day a little bit. You know, you're, you mm-hmm. you can't skip a track uh or sure. can't even i mean i guess you can pause kind of but you know it, yeah. it's just not it's not like now everything is in our control right we can skip the song we we can afford to lose interest so much more than we used to and having a second right. like you know the fact that you can't just scroll through a hard copy of a comic you have to flip the pages just the net the aspect of flipping it like makes you yeah. even on a micro degree a little bit more interested in what you're about to see than if you were to scroll i think you know so definitely 
it's it's yeah. a, it's an interesting balance there for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, man. Well, dude, I I guess I guess I'll let you go, but it's been, it's been great chatting with you and um yeah. I'll reach out to you soon. I'll I'll shoot you uh or I'll I'll reach out for your address so I can get you some of those zines. Totally. Yeah, dude. Thanks so much. Nice talking to you, Dylan. Yeah, I'll talk to you later, Sam. All right, man. Bye. See ya. This has been a Comfort Monk production.